activity like why 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 don't we use um our ability or knowledge to of understanding of people uh, more effective more effectively um particularly for example in the education system or even in the world of work it's a new month and a new series and this series is as exciting as the other ones it's called realizing your full potential and i'm here with karen and i can't wait to hear more about herself her story and um how you listeners can actually realize your full potential and um it's there's different ways to do that <laughs> uh, but the one we're looking at in this series is extremely fascinating and interesting so welcome karen thank you for your time today thank you christine for inviting me into the world of podcasting <laughs> um, <laughs> that's okay. Start by introducing yourself, maybe give us a bit about your background, your story, and how you got into this um, realizing your full potential. Okay, so um, I guess going back to when I was a child, um, thinking back, and I do this quite a lot, quite a reflector. I was, it was always curious, trying to understand people. Um, I'd probably describe myself as a, a, a curious observer and uh, an empath, and somebody that can tap into um, feelings and emotions of others just by just by looking, looking at their body language, and uh, and I don't seem to pick up on on their energy as well. So the intangible, um, and I guess I've subconsciously learned as well to to read people very well, um, and I I think. It's, I describe that as probably my superpower and it's um, something that took me into the field of human resources, which we'll talk about in, in, in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have a, a real sense of justice and fairness. Um, and I get frustrated sometimes by um, the inertia of government society, society uh, about the lack of of progress in understanding people. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And I guess I, I think I, I try and wonder a lot why this, what I believe is a, a critical um, activity. Like why, why, why don't we use um, our ability or knowledge to, of understanding of people uh, more effective more effectively, um, particularly, for example, in the education system or even in the world of work. Um, you know, our education system hasn't changed. And I'm talking about the United Kingdom here, hasn't changed in 200 years. And uh, we still kind of teach children or educate children in an environment where they, they aren't allowed to, to move. And, and some children actually need to move in order to learn. Um, so I've, I've got this real passion and interest in really getting to the core of what makes people tick and understanding too about life's experiences and how they they shape us in our belief system and that all, all comes from from being a you know a child um with a father who i felt was not really really understood um my dad was my greatest fan as a, as a child i was always encouraged to to, to be the best I possibly could be. Um, 
you know, he was, he was never one to say, no, you can't do that. He was always one that said, yes, you can do it, try it. Yes, just, just believe, you know. Um, and he had a depth to him that, that nobody else could, could really see. So um, I discovered years later that he was tormented uh, by anxiety, um, which was probably the result of this functional family dynamic. And um, his life experience impacted our whole family. And the life experiences that, that we have will go on to shape, you know, people around us. And, and ultimately, if we have children, our, our own children, these, these things get passed down. So going back to this, you know, how did, how did I get into to what it is that I'm doing? Well, just going back to my father um, and, and having this curiosity about why people behave the, the way they, they do. Um, you know, I recall my father... Um, as I've already said, not, not being really understood. And years later, he became an alcoholic, which um, was, was really sad. Um, he was described you know, by friends and family as having Victorian values. It's quite rigid in the way he liked to do things. And, and he also had a hot temper, um, but the heart of a jelly, had a real soft centre. He was a, an avid reader, super smart, um, loved his peace and quiet. And when he died... Um, I discovered that he he had severe anxiety and that that just made a lot of sense to me to, to how he got into his alcohol, if you like. Now, I'm not talking about drugs and addiction here. It's not, not, the, not the purpose of this conversation. But for me, it was, you know, my dad had a veneer. Nobody really, really understood him. And he had he was hiding his demons under under alcohol. And this only came to light um, when he died because an uncle wrote me a letter uh, to tell me all about my dad and what he was like as a child and how he nearly drowned at the age of three so you know it'd have been a traumatic event in his in his life and that's really important to kind of um as part of this story um to to understand how trauma impacts us um in, in later life but um his his alcohol was his key to relaxation and his anxiety um was kept in abeyance by, by the alcohol. He had a fear of flying and he had to fly all over the world. So he would be constantly, um, well, when he was, not constantly, when he was, when he would go to catch his flight, he'd always be, he'd always be drunk as a skunk. Um, and, and the reason for that was he, he hated flying and it, it caused him a lot of angst. I guess, where am I going with that? Is that, his veneer hid his anxiety and the alcohol really absolutely prevented him from reaching his full potential. Um, and there were reasons why um, he, um, he died early um, and that he didn't actually get to achieve um, what he set out to do in, in terms of his dreams. So, um, where does that take me? Well, this interest in people, this understanding that you know, we have a veneer that there are lots of things going on underneath the, the surface. You know, what we see is actually not ever the real the reality for, for individuals. And, and sometimes these traumas and life experiences um, do have a significant impact on us going forward. And it's understanding perhaps where that actually comes from and the link probably between, you know, life experience as a child, you know, trauma we experience as a child and the impact on, on brain development, which is where I'm going with um, 
I optimize me. I optimize me is is based on um, a program of um, brain development, which we'll we'll get into more detail um, shortly. Um, but anyway, just just moving on with the story, um, it was. I guess it would be no surprise to anybody that I gravitated towards the profession of human resources, um, human resources uh, profession built on the concept of employee welfare. In factories, again, during the industrial age, you know, two or three hundred years ago now, um, and employee welfare in, in businesses more to include mental health and well-being. Um, and as we all know now, it's a, a huge topic of conversation as we've become more aware and more willing to, to discuss it and recognise the impact of mental well-being on our ability to to to, to live and, and work um, and in a workforce key components of organized organizational success if you like rest on having a motivated engaged workforce and a motivated engaged workforce is engendered by creating conditions that prevent burnout and overwhelm showing employees are in the right jobs doing meaningful and purposeful work and creating a collaborative and inclusive culture and there are causal links between heightened job satisfaction and low business costs, believe it or not. Um, so if you've got a motivated workforce, then uh, there is a direct impact on, on business costs associated um, with your workforce. Um, and the you know, delivery of whatever it is that you're, you're making or, or delivering, whether that's customer service or it's widgets in a factory. So, uh, you know, again, people still hugely passionate interest of mine. Um, again, human resources, getting behind a, a, an organisation, um, its culture, what makes it tick, and um, how, how you can make it tick better, if you like. Thank you for sharing it uh, and um, letting us into your world um, and what you've experienced. And um, I think this shows also the why you got into everything like you said and how you want to support people reaching um, and realizing their uh, full potential um, because it's a passion of yours because of experiences that you had um, so thank you for for sharing that can you tell us a bit more about how it actually works <laughs> how you work with people what you're doing with them and who is it for <laughs> Okay, so you know, thinking about just general society, if you like, and understanding that you know, children growing to adults, adults going to the world of work, and life experiences shape the individual, and um, belief systems are created when we when we're we're young and we're children, and the belief systems come about um, through you know, we know that the brain effectively is the the, the place where we hold knowledge and life experience and, uh, and emotion and the like. Um, I discovered um, a program called Zing, uh, which focuses on creating and building neural pathways in the, the cerebellum. And I discovered this program um, when my daughter started struggling at school. And um, she had moved from the UK to the United Arab Emirates and she'd gone from a small school to a, a huge school. And all of a sudden she was having meltdowns, uh, not coping. Um, and you know, it was seen as a behavioral issue and she was put outside the classroom door and that took a toll on her um, mental health. 
and her self-esteem. And so, you know, being that curious person and trying to get behind um, what, what the behavior, what, what, what's causing what's causing all this, took her to psychologists, she had assessments, she um, did tests up the yin-yang and um, she was eventually given a label uh, and accommodations in school, you know, 25% extra time and, and the like. And uh, around this time, I, you know, having been looking for the solution to the problem and discovering this, this program called Zing and the chap behind it called Winfield Door. Um, and I, he was talking my language. Um, he was a chap whose daughter had um, tried to commit suicide um, and he'd thrown everything into trying to understand what was behind her, her learning challenges that she herself had had. Um, she suffered with dyslexia, suffered with dyslexia, she had dyslexia. And um, so he was really wanting to, to discover what was behind that. And, and he'd pulled together about 30 years worth of research over, that had been around for around a, a generation, all this research, and discovered that the key to, to learning um, and coping, um, you know, coping well, emotional control, if you like, um, and balance and coordination was rooted in an area of the brain called the cerebellum. So this sparked my interest um, even further. I started researching, and uh, I got to the point where I actually contacted this guy. So I need, I need your program here. And so um, I brought this program, composing program that focuses on on the cerebellum to to Dubai. It's a program that challenges the brain to develop new neural pathways by through a series of coordinative um, exercises which promotes what they call neurogenesis and that is effectively uh, creating new stem cells in, in the brain. Um, for those of you that are not particularly familiar with the terminology of brain plasticity, brain plasticity um, is the ability of the brain to um, find workarounds or create new stem cells um, to grow new pathways to, to um, build and develop, continue to develop skills. And for my daughter in particular, um, this program was about building neural pathways to enable her to learn more effectively. Wow, <laughs> thank you. Um, and this is where it um, becomes a bit different to uh, other, let's say, programs, other tools that people use to realize their full potential, where they work on strengths and so-called weaknesses and things like that. But you look at it really from a scientific point of view, which all makes sense. <laughs> and um, what can we do inside our brain? How can we build new new pathways? How can we understand how our brain works better? So the individual wants for each person and what has happened um, in the past, why um, things may be seen in a different way because we all create our own reality. We all have our own challenges that we went through in life and are still going through. And that influences how we think, how we act, what we believe in, our value system and how we understand things and how we deal with things that come our way and how we learn new things. 
Um, and I find it extremely fascinating. And that's why I'm so grateful that you're on the podcast to learn more about it um, and learn more about how this works. Um, and everyone who was listening to this now, I think your, your mind is blown as much as mine is. <laughs> um, and um, thank you again for sharing that and, and showing um, that it's actually possible. <laughs> it's possible to for everyone um, if they're labeled or not, and we talk about labels as well in one of the other episodes, um, with a disorder, with some learning difficulties, or um, anything that goes into that direction gets this kind of label. It is possible to realize your full potential uh, by looking into um, what is happening in the brain. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. It's um, the cerebellum. Um is you know it, it develops throughout life you know it, it's under undergoing continuous change and we all with every learning experience that that we have and like i said there's over 30 years of research out there and it is absolutely fascinating how um critical um the cerebellum is to to being able to function, if you like, just generally as a as an individual, but I mean for for learning in particular, um, you know, some of the things that uh, the cerebellum is responsible for is is coordination of, of voluntary movement, balance, posture, um, you know, gross and fine motor skills, you know, the ability to to hold a pencil and write, and and understand how much pressure to put on a pencil when you're writing. You know, sequential learning and um, and storing away of these learned skills and the um, the creation of what we call automaticity, the ability to to um, to drive a car, for example. You know, when we do drive a car, we'll go from A to to B, and everything that we do is is done automatically without thinking. Once we've learned to drive, we go through that process of of learning to drive. And whilst we're going through that learning experience, we're building new neural pathways. And then, you know, once they're established and they're, they're stored and that, that skill becomes automatic, we, we don't think about, think about um, driving our car anymore. And the, the cerebellum is, a, you know, one of its key components is this creation of automaticity, that ability to, to ride a bike. You know, once you get on a bike, you've learned to ride a bike, you'll never lose the skill. But sadly, you know, for some children you know for whatever reason their cerebellum hasn't developed the way it should um, and it's developed in some areas more than others um, which you'll see you know why sometimes children have an, an, an uneven skill set yeah okay so children children un develop an uneven skill set perhaps through trauma you know there's research now going into and i know it's always been there but you know when we when we have our children we're asked innumerable questions you know as a if you ever find yourself in a situation where you've got to go and take your child to go and see a psychologist or a behavioral specialist or whatever they'll always go back to um how the child was born whether it was a cesarean section you know uh, whether it was any intervention when the child was born because all of these things disrupt um, the natural course of events, you know, when, when children are growing in the womb or when they are actually born. And, and that can translate into, you know, a form of trauma and ultimately um, the development of the child. I'm no expert on this, by the way, 
you know, again, going back to children, how they develop growing into adulthood, you know, missing out developmental stages. And, you know, it's really, really important for children to go through all those developmental stages in order to develop and, and create or to, 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 for the brain to develop the way it needs to, to develop. Um, so missing out a, a stage will, will mean that perhaps the neural pathways haven't grown the way that they would normally grow. It doesn't mean to say you can't um, find workarounds and, you know, talk about my own daughter in, in terms of her um, skill set and how that's developed, but how um, important physical exercises and sadly in the United Kingdom, I don't talk about the UK, is that children's playgrounds have been reduced significantly. Um, we focus now in school on learning, 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 sitting, still learning, learning, learning. And actually, you know, and I, I've already mentioned this, children sometimes need to move to be able to learn. It's natural for us as human beings to move around. It's what we've always done. So forcing us to sit for hours <laughs> looking at a, a, a board or whatever it is we do these days is, is not conducive to brain development your development you'll develop and, and learn you know academically thank you so much for 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 sharing that and it's really interesting <laughs> i can only say it again and um that's why i was so excited to to get you okay to be on the podcast because i think this is this is really groundbreaking even though it ha has been around um for for a long time but people are not really aware of it and um that movement also plays a role in developing the brain, not just uh, maybe maybe the physics, but uh, also what's happening in the brain. Um, I'm really can't wait to, to uh, recording the second episode with you, where it's all about how the brain actually works and how this affects your um, mental health and well-being. So for now, I'll really thank you so much for your time and input for this episode, and I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Thank you. That was it. Thanks for tuning in. And just to let you know, there's a free 30-day Kickstart Your Business Challenge available on my website, creativestartupacademy.com slash kickstart. And it turns your business idea into reality in just 30 days. And if you could leave a review for this podcast, please, please, please do so because it will help me with my ranking. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.